Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from socially distant locations at Lambeau Field. Wes, week 17, it is here. Packers, Bears, Soldier Field, 325 Central Time kickoff. And we all know what's at stake. The Packers going for the number one seed. The Bears are trying to get into the playoffs as a wild card. And you take a look at this Bears 2020 season, <laughs> five and one, a six-game losing streak, now a three-game winning streak, trying to make it four to slip into the postseason. It's been a hard team to figure out, but it is a team that is playing really well right now. Well, it's a team we've learned a lot about too. I think as the course of the season has worn on, the Chicago Bears have gotten back to what they do well. Uh, for a long time, Mike, it seemed like they were trying to become something that they weren't. And I think that kind of factored into the decision to move to Nick Foles and, and go away from Mitchell Trubisky. But they also went away from the run game at that time. They also weren't getting the tight ends as involved as they have in the past. And when Trubisky came back and in his big comeback game was against Green Bay, it didn't go completely how he wanted it to. But that was a building block. And I think one thing that they found out in that matchup was the fact that, all right, David Montgomery was a guy that we invested into a number of years ago. They had to maneuver without him midseason. They were trying to use Cordero Patterson in that running back role. Since Montgomery has returned, he's averaging 20, almost 24 touches per game now. They've established the running game again. They're putting up points. And I know a lot of Packer fans are quick to point out the competition that they've done that against is not elite uh, in terms of the NFL rankings. But it's production nonetheless. And for, for the Chicago Bears, they're feeling much better about themselves going into this matchup today than I think they did a month ago into Lambeau Field. Yeah, it's interesting heading into this one. I mentioned this when I did our weekly three things video with, uh, with Larry McCarron yesterday that you look at that first Bears-Packers matchup and the Bears' first handoff in that game was to David Montgomery and he busted a 57-yard run. And it's, that sort of became a turning point in a lot of ways for both of these teams because for the Bears, it reminded them, hey, David Montgomery needs to be a big part of this offense moving forward. And yes, they did not beat the Packers that night. They ended up blowing a late lead the following week against the Detroit Lions. But they figured out that David Montgomery, the role that he needs to have in order to be successful, that 57-yard run, I think, was a big part of that. On the Packers side of things, the Packers run defense has been quite good since that 57 yard run. It was sort of like that was the final kick in the teeth or whatever you want to call it for the run defense to get things turned around. And the turnaround came to fruition uh, in some respects with the performance against Derrick Henry last week. So as you head into this week 17 matchup at Soldier Field, the Bears run game and the Packers run defense is going to be front and center here. Yeah, and as much as we'll talk about the Bears and where they went and offensively the fact that they're in a better rhythm now than they were a month ago, the Packers' defense is in a much different position today than it was back in November. And a big reason for that is how well they've defended against the run. To, to some extent, it is scheme. It, it is being able to just fit your gaps and, and be in the right position at the right time. But, Mike, I've really been blown away, especially these last three weeks, the number of players, individuals who have stepped up their games here in these, these, this final stretch of the season, 
Chris Barnes moving in as the the Mike linebacker, the every down guy, that's been the right adjustment for this defense. I think you're getting more, and you were the first one to point this out. I think you're getting more out of Christian Kirksey in that will role, playing more on nickel situations, and then also being able to incorporate Kamal Martin. That rotation's actually, I think, worked out pretty well for them. But Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, both of those guys have been playing at an elite level. The outside linebackers have been very gap sound, understanding their assignments. Rashawn Gary has been a big part of that as well. And certainly the safety stepping up and making plays when they have to, all of those things bode well for green Bay. And a lot of lessons were learned when they ruptured for that 57 yard carry against Montgomery. And Green Bay has, they've seen Montgomery. They know what this guy can do. And if you go back and listen to all the unscripted we've been doing for the past three years now, I've continued to toot the horn for him that this guy's a guy that must be respected. Now he's over a thousand yards on the season. I think there's only what five running backs that have already achieved that Mike. He is a top of the line running back who must be respected, but the Packers defense because of how they've rebounded the second half of the season has worked its way into the top yard in, in total defense is in the top seven. Now I believe in passing defense and their run defense has vastly improved, but that's only as good as your last performance. And green Bay needs to get one more marker here to show that this is a different unit. They can play gap sound. They can play fundamental before they move into that postseason. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to believe with what we've seen of the bears offense as, as has been mentioned it wasn't exactly against a murderer's row of defensive opponents over the last few weeks. But as you said, production is production and the bears have figured out what it takes to be successful. So I, you know, even if the Packers run defense starts the game, the way they did against Derrick Henry, I think we're going to see the bears stay committed to that run with David Montgomery, you know, unless this becomes, you know, a 20 point, you know, three score, deficit or something like that i think the bears are going to stay committed to the run for as long as they can in order to try to pull this one out and mike everybody knows that's at home right now they understand that you are an exceptional racquetball player one (laughs) of the best in green bay maybe the four counties surrounding brow county as well if we want to push it out there you and i both know if you would go down to the ymca and you play five straight games and maybe you play some West Hotquitzes. Maybe you play some uh, enhancement talent, uh, guys that you can beat up on. Mike Spofford's going to walk out that day feeling pretty darn good about himself. Now, if you go in there and maybe you play some of the top guys in the country at racquetball, you don't do so hot, you're not going to feel that good about yourself. It doesn't matter the fact that the Bears maybe haven't beaten the top of the line defenses here with their offensive scheming, their 30 plus points per game since Lazar took back over the play, since has, has taken over the play calling from Matt Nagy. The fact of the matter is they feel confident right now. There is some momentum again, and this is a momentum driven sport. Jimmy Graham as well, as much maligned as I know he is sometimes with the Packers fan base, two touchdowns last week. I mean, they are being able to find ways to win on offense. And you and I all week long, Mike, we've discussed this. You cannot look past the Chicago bears. I understand that was a big win for green Bay. It was the most complete performance of the season. But if you don't respect the threat that the bears present, you're going to be walking out of soldier field disappointed on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's uh, the, the reality check somewhat. And as, as I say all the time, as we say all the time, it's a, it's a week to week league. Right. And, if it were as easy as playing as well as the Packers played last Sunday night against Tennessee, of course they would play like that all the time, but it doesn't just because they did it against Tennessee against a right. very good team 
you know, under the, the lights, the prime time, all of that, it doesn't mean you're just going to show up and play like that again. By the same token, the Packers' performance back in week five or six, whatever it was, against Tampa Bay, not a good performance for Green Bay. But yeah. they didn't go out and play like that every week either. That's just that's just not how it works. So you can't assume things. You can't take things for granted. And you said it, Wes. Momentum, momentum in this league is real. And the Bears were headed the wrong way with six consecutive losses. Everyone was talking about, are they going to blow the whole thing up and start over? Suddenly – they win three straight. They're still in the playoff hunt, looking to get back to the postseason after winning the NFC North two years ago. And uh, and you just can't uh, you just can't count them out. I do want to get to our sponsor business here though before yeah. I forget. So uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Packers fans score up to $500 for your devotion to the pack when you open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank. Learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. Go ahead. And you understood where I was going at with that racquetball analogy, right? Oh, sure. Because because I I wasn't just putting you over as a superb racquetball player. It also, I mean, this is week 17, man. It doesn't matter who the Bears beat. It doesn't matter if they pass your eye test as a fan or they don't. They beat those teams. They succeeded. They won offensively in those matchups. And they're ready for this test that Green Bay presents. They're going to be. It's a lot different ball game, winning, succeeding, putting points on the board, than being shut down in the way you're going to look at that thing mentally. So that, yeah. that's why I just I've said all along this week. I just feel like Green Bay, and they have. I mean, Matt Lafleur is saying all the right things, but you just got to respect that because I think in some areas of the fan base, the way I've seen on Twitter and on our inbox and you know submissions, uh, I, I'm glad the fans aren't playing this game. I'm, I'm you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's positive sure. that it's the, the, that locker room. Yeah, I agree. I just, I get the sense that there are a lot of assumptions out there, not from within this building, but outside this building, there are a lot of assumptions that the Packers are just going to show up and play exactly like they played against Tennessee and Chicago doesn't have a chance. You can't, you can't assume that. Now the Packers could do that. They certainly could. And that's Absolutely. what they want. And that's what they want. And do. we'll talk about that next Monday. Yeah. yeah if that's but, the case. Right. But, but you can't, you can't yeah. assume that that is going to happen to recap the scenarios here. Obviously if the Packers win this game, they get the number one seed and the only first round buy in the NFC playoffs. The Packers can also get the number one seed. If the Seattle Seahawks lose to the San Francisco 49ers. The Bears are in a similar situation in terms of, you know, that one other game that could impact them. If the Bears win, if the Bears beat the Packers, they are in the playoffs as a wild card. The Bears can also get a wild card if the Los Angeles Rams can beat the Arizona Cardinals, but the Rams are without their starting quarterback and without one of their top receivers in Cooper Cup. So that's going to be a tough one for the Rams. I think the Bears are the Bears are certainly looking at this as They've got to win this to get in. And hey, if you're the Packers, here's the thing. If you don't win this game and you don't get the number one seed, you will be either the two or the three seed. If the Bears are in the playoffs, they will be either the six or the seven, which would create a possibility of having to play the Bears right away again next week in the wildcard round. It could happen. So from Green Bay's perspective, it's like, well, you can either knock the Bears out now or you might have to knock them out again next week. So sort of like why wait around, right? And I think that's sort of what Matt LaFleur has been getting at this week when he's been saying this is a playoff mentality game for the Packers, not just because the number one seed is at stake, but if you don't take care of the Bears, 
you might have to try to beat them again in six or seven days. Yeah. And the big reason that you end up pushing that message home with guys is you've earned this opportunity, Mike. It's week 17. The Packers reported for camp on July 28th. It's currently as we're taping this New Year's Eve. Everything you've invested in the last five months has been to be in a position to have the number one seed to get the buy heading into the playoffs. And it's right there for you, man. 31 minute flight down, 31 minute flight back. If you take care of business in between, you have a direct path from Green Bay, Wisconsin to Tampa Bay, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Sorry. That's okay. A direct as the crow flies path to the Super Bowl that runs through this stadium. You don't want to waste that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked obviously a lot about the running game for the Bears, the run defense for the Packers. What are some other keys to victory here for Green Bay that jump out at U.S. as far as what the Packers have to do on either side of the ball in order to emerge victorious and lock down that number one seed? The Keem Hicks factor. I mean, last time that the Packers played them, there was that question all week long if Hicks was going to be ready. The Bears ended up deciding to sit him out, and I thought that had a direct correlation, not necessarily on the outcome of the game, but definitely the way that Green Bay was able to assert themselves in scoring 41 points uh, against a defense I still think I, I has a lot of playmakers. There's been some question uh, about Eddie Jackson this year I saw and, and his level of play. I haven't followed the Bears enough to be able to comment on that, but when you look at that front, and, and Kyle Fuller is one of the top cornerbacks in this league, I really respect what he brings to the table, and and obviously they're, you know, we everyone knows the story there with Green Bay and whatnot with him, so I, I just feel like the Hicks factor is going to give them a boost in this one. In addition to the fact that he's one of the most disruptive, if not underrated uh, defensive linemen in the national football league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I said it back in week 12 when it happened and I've been saying it this week as well, that you could see the bear, the Packers completely exploited the absence of Akeem Hicks right from the get-go yeah. in that first matchup with the Bears. I believe it was within Aaron Jones' first four carries of that game, he had runs of 14, 9, and 8 yards that were between the tackles. The Packers took advantage of the fact that Hicks wasn't in there. It's not going to be as easy this time. And I think in that respect, that speaks to the commitment the Packers are going to need to have to the run game in this game in order to stay balanced in order, in order to keep this offense operating at that, at that balanced efficient level, because Hicks is going to make it harder to get six and seven yard carries yeah. between the tackles, but you can't just give up on the run and, and, and completely turn to the pass because we've seen, we've seen good defenses, you know, give the Packers trouble when, uh, when they get away from the running game. So I think offensively staying balanced is going, to be, is going to be big in this game, and it's when we've seen the Packers' offense at his best. On the other side, defensively, I'll throw out there too. I say this every time the Packers go up against Mitch Trubisky, and you can't let this guy run around no. and make plays with his legs because, you know, is he the most prolific, efficient passer in the league, no, he's he's not even close to that, frankly. But he is a guy who will scramble to the chains and get first downs. He will get out of the pocket and make plays on the run. You have to keep Mitch Trubisky in the pocket and make him beat you from there. Don't make him beat you where he's better, which right. is when he's on the move, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's a momentum quarterback. He's almost the definition of it. When things are going right, he can be really difficult to stop. And when things are going wrong, well, We've seen that over the last three years, what, what the you know, after effect of that is. But things are going right for him right now, Mike. As I wrote an insider inbox on Thursday, 
You look back to that game against Green Bay, he's right there as far as a 70% passer rate, uh, passing completion uh, percentage. I mean, he's he's been efficient and absent of a really terrible pass in Jacksonville. Everyone talks about how, oh, he threw into quadruple coverage and this was, how could you have done that? They're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. What people don't really talk about is the fact that the Bears basically dominated the rest of the football game and really that was the one bad moment, but that's the thing that ended up on social media. That's what ended right. up on ESPN. Right. They don't really look at the fact that if not for that, uh, Trubisky would have had a freaking 140 passer rating or whatever it would have been. <laughs> I mean, that was the one mistake that he made. It just happened that all the eyeballs were on it, but that's the key to victory in this game too. He's going to probably give the defensive secondary two or three chances at balls in this game. That's just the way he plays the position, especially if you can stop David Montgomery on early downs like Green Bay was able to control the line of scrimmage against the Titans if you're able to do that that's where you want to get Trubisky you want to put this game in his hands you want to make him uncomfortable you want to get after him he was he was hit six times in that game Zadarius Smith has had uh, a magnet for the backfield when he's back there during his you know almost two full seasons in Green Bay now Uh, there is a path here I I keep I'm propping up the Bears I'm not trying to present them as the Kansas City Chiefs right now but there is a path for green Bay. And and I think that this is a game that they're obviously favored in. And for good reason, the Packers have a good history at soldier field uh, during Aaron Rodgers' tenure as, as the starting quarterback and Trubisky's only won one of his six games against green Bay. But that being said, you just need to find a way to be able to pressure him and get a couple takeaways. That's been the difference, Mike, as much as green Bay has controlled and has avoided the explosive plays in recent weeks, the takeaways have been the biggest difference. And when you have an offense that doesn't give it away, like, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur don't, good things are going to happen. Yeah, and the one other aspect to this game I'll throw in there too is obviously special teams. We've seen the Packers have yeah. had the Packers have had their hiccups on special teams over the last couple months. There's no doubt about it. One of the best special teams performances the Packers had yeah. in this time was against the Bears in that first meeting. Cordero Patterson didn't get really anything going on kickoff returns. Bears didn't get much going on on punt return, but Traditionally, the Bears have been the better special teams unit compared to Green Bay. That's a phase that, not saying the Packers have to have to win the phase, but you can't let the Bears dominate that phase, which then would lead to dominating field position. Can't let that happen on Sunday. The bizarre thing is, and this goes before Sean Menning goes here, and honestly, it probably goes before Ron Zook too, Green Bay always seems to do okay against Patterson. Like, we'll spend the whole week talking about how dangerous he is and how much of a problem he causes teams in Green Bay. I think absent of maybe one kickoff return during his time in Minnesota, I yes, can't really was, remember. Yep, there was a hundred plus yard yeah. kickoff return at the at the Metrodome, and that, that was Patterson early. Was that his had. rookie year? It was yeah. early in his career. I don't remember exactly yeah. which year, but yeah, other than other than that one, yeah, the Packers, knock on wood, you know, have have uh, done pretty well against. Patterson. So the point being, I mean, he's still a Pro Bowler. He still can you know hurt you in a lot of ways, but you just it, you have to be on your 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 P's and Q's here, just like last week the defense was against Derrick Henry because he could still have. 98 yards and still look really good statistically, but you just can't let him take over a game. It's just that that is the key against Patterson. And especially the way that the bears use him now is sort of a backfield, you know, Ty Montgomery, you know, get him in space kind of offensive target. Yeah. Well, quickly, before we go, just to get your thoughts a little bit on the playoff picture, we know in the NFC, as we've already talked about, Packers are playing for the one seed. The bears are fighting with the Cardinals and the Rams for two, uh, two potential wildcard spots amongst those three teams. I'd like your thoughts on what's going on in the AFC because there's a whole bunch of 10 and five teams 
somebody is going to have is going to finish the season with 10 wins and maybe 11 if all of these 10 win teams get victories and one of those either 10 or 11 win teams is not going to make the postseason how do you think this is going to shake out in the AFC on Sunday. I mean, talk about high stakes too, right, Mike? I mean, Tennessee's trying to get its first division title in 12 years. Uh, Cleveland, who was left out as a 10-win team, what was it, 13 years ago? Uh, they're trying to find a way to get in. And then you got the Indianapolis Colts, who just have to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars to get to 11 wins. But even if they do that, they're not necessarily guaranteed a playoff spot. And hence, becoming the biggest Mason Rudolph fans uh, this side of whatever the famous river is in Pittsburgh that's escaping my name right now. The Allegheny. So, Allegheny. Thanks, Mike. Look you at it. you. Of course. One of us did well in geography. One of us didn't. Uh, no, but that that's the interesting thing of how this season has worked out, especially from the Colts' perspective, Mike. I mean, the, the fact that you know, you've beaten the Green Bay Packers and some of these teams, and yet even a win over the Jaguars doesn't necessarily get you that playoff spot you're coveting. In a year in which we added the seventh spot, for some teams that might not even be enough. So, uh, yeah, a lot of drama, a lot of drama that is attached to, to other things, as we talked about earlier this week. So seeing how that AFC schedule, you know, kind of finishes out and who's going to be able to ones that to punch their ticket uh, into January, uh, this is going to be a, a really interesting uh, week week of football. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say this. I know the Colts are the team in the AFC that needs to win and get a little bit of help in order to get in. I'd like to see him get in just in case this is Phillip Rivers last season. I'd like to see him get one more shot in the playoffs. Just, uh, just my own personal preference. I mean, the guy doesn't really get enough respect for the way he was able to dominate games uh, throughout the course of his career. Now he's having to do it a little differently with the Colts now at 39 years old. Uh, than he did during his prime with the chargers, but he's smart, he's efficient, and he, he is the ultimate gamer. I, so many people want to throw comparisons to Favre. I saw even like people saying like Josh Allen, he could be like, you know, Favre. I think rivers had the mentality that Favre had. It, yeah. it, he's going to find a way he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to apologize for it, <laughs> but he's going to keep things exciting. And if you give him a defense, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing in his career is when he had a defense, uh, he won football games yeah. and you know, we'll, we'll see how all this shuffles out. I got to mention too, before we get out, looking at the NFC race to, to one last thing on the bears. Yeah. If I'm Matt Nagy, I'm telling my guys this week, you are better than the Los Angeles Rams. You're better than them. They're, they're just sputtering into the station right now. You're on the incline. So seeing how that, that aspect of this works out as well, is going to be something really interesting to follow because the, the Rams are a hurt unit now, but they have the advantage going into week 17. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it should be a great weekend of regular season finale football in the NFL. With that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday afternoon's big game from Chicago. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And we won't just see you next time. We'll see you next year. Happy New Year, everybody. Take care.